said, are my eyes from I said, no. She said, I sprayed hairspray right into my eye. Jim? Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. Let's stand together, please. Let's worship the Lord together. And welcome to everybody who's watching us online today. Thanks for joining us today. All right, let's sing, church. God is faithful. Will never fail. He is Almighty God. Greater than all we see, greater than all we ask. He has done great things. Lift it up, lift it up. He defeated the grave. Race to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome. For oh, the Lord, our God is able. Oh, yes, He is. God is with us. God is on our side. He will make a way far above all we know. Far above all we know. He has done great things. Oh, this year He defeated the grave. Race to life. God is with us, He will go before, He will never leave us, 
This one to you last week. A really, really cool take on the Lord's Prayer. And it goes like this. All right, let's sing. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven. Right here in my heart. Once again. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. And give us, give us this day a daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us. If we forgive the ones who sin against us, forgive them. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Let your kingdom come. Father, Father, let your will be done. Father, let your will be done. Let us in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Let us in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us. We forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let your kingdom come, and it's yours. It's yours. It's yours, all yours, all yours, the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours, forever and ever, the kingdom. Once again, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours. Forgive the power that's for me, I know. 
Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Once again, Father. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. On earth, earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. One more time. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. You know, um, the big news of the Bible, well, there's a lot of great news in the Bible. One of the most important messages is the fact that God really loves us. He really, really, really does. And I want to share these words uh, from Max Licato. He said, His, God's, thoughts of you outnumber the sands on the shore. He said, you never leave his mind, you never escape his sight, you never flee his thoughts. And this is more good news. You need not win his love. You already have it. Your sins of tomorrow and your failings of the future will not surprise him because he sees them now. He knows you better than you know you, and he has reached his verdict. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love, God's love, never failing, never ending. He really, really loves us. I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment So how he loves me I've got a friend He is my friend He is my portion With me in the valley Get me in the fire, get me in the storm. Where all my life justify, hallelujah, we are not alone. God really loves us. God really Hallelujah Oh, praise my soul God really loves us Oh, yes, He does God really loves us
His mercy is enough. His grace is sufficient. So come if you're needing forgiveness and healing. His mercy is enough. So this is our hope. Because it has spoken. Death is no more. Christ is the Lord. This is God. And we sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are not alone. God really loves us. God really loves us.
for our sins to be forgiven, for us to have that relationship with God. God really loves us. And this morning, we have the privilege of celebrating communion together as a church family. I've been thinking a lot about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Asbury. I think we've all been drawn to it. Um, I know I have, um, because it's been a while since we've seen something like that or heard of something like that, where we see thousands of students, people, hungering for God, coming to God. Um, But what caught my attention was that they are saying that the students have been radically humble, radically humble in their repentance, and desperately seeking God. That got me thinking that this is the way we should come to communion, radically humble. This morning, we all came into church with so many things vying for our attention. Maybe it's really good things like, Maybe something you're going to do after church today, or maybe it's something really hard. Um, Burdens you're carrying, tough situations. But right now, I want to let all those thoughts fall away. And I want to turn our hearts and our minds to Jesus. If we are turning our heart to Jesus, we are turning it away from sin in humble repentance. And if we turn our mind to Jesus, we are thinking about him and letting everything else fall away. And then we come to the communion table and we worship because our Savior is worthy. Communion is a privilege. It's a visual symbol of what Jesus uh, has done for you and for me. Uh, When we take communion, the bread represents the body that was Jesus' body that was given for us. And the juice represents his blood that was poured out for our forgiveness. What Jesus did for us should never be forgotten. We should constantly be in a state of remembrance of his gift of grace. God sent his only son to take our place, bear our penalty, and die our death. When we think of the sacrifice, we picture the cross, and we think, What love. God really loves us. This is love, and this is why we take communion. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask this side um, over where Sandy is and this side over where Steve is. And Thank you, Steve and Sandy, for your faithful service. I love you guys. And um, after everyone has had the opportunity to get the element, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. As you're coming forward, let's be radically humble. And let's desperately seek God. And let's thank Him and thank Jesus of their love for us that they went and and Jesus died for us. So you can go ahead and come forward at this time.
Right now, I'd like to lead us in a special prayer and as we prepare our hearts for communion. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility, and we ask that you would examine our hearts today. Lord, we want to come to the communion table humbly, repentant, seeking you. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Lord, reveal the pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion, any unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you, because our desire is to live for you. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup, this is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus, the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Because of his blood shed for us and his body given for us, we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. Thank you for his victory over death. He took the death that we deserved. He took our punishment. And today we stop, we reflect on that, we recognize it, we rejoice, we repent, and we worship, and we praise the one who has set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Um, Elsa and I have one more song to lead you in this morning, but before we do that, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to greet the folks around you and say hello and welcome, and we'll continue with our worship in just a second.
everybody. Let's make our way back to our seats. Love, love, love this next song. It's been a while since we've done it, but I think it's just a fantastic declaration of who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's doing, and the hope that we have because of it. Living hope. Came the morning that feels a promise. 
Thank you that love had the final word and has the final word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, welcome everybody. Uh, If you're joining us through Facebook or through YouTube today, we're really glad you're with us. Thank you for joining us. And uh, so uh, just real quick, if I look like I haven't had much sleep over the last (laughs) couple of days, or if I look like I haven't shaved in a couple of days, it's because I haven't shaved in a couple of days or I haven't slept much in the last couple of days. Uh, Joy and I, we left at 5 o'clock Friday morning uh, to drive down to Los Angeles by way of Sacramento because, you know, Sacramento is right on the way to Los Angeles. Uh, but we went there and uh, met up with our daughter Cass, and then she drove the, the rest of the way down, which was good. Uh, but we, we left. We left our house at 5 on Friday morning. We got to Huntington Beach at about 9.30 that night, okay? So it was just the combination of weather, car wrecks, uh, you know, traffic. Uh, it was an adventure. So we were supposed to be there at 5 o'clock uh, because uh, we were, my, uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Faithy, her, um, her boyfriend was going to propose to her. And uh, so finally he had to just go ahead and do it without us. So, uh, but th- my ca- uh, faith now is engaged, uh, officially engaged, yeah, yeah. So we're excited. And uh, I'm especially excited, well, that's, of course, Joy would say the same thing. But um, I'm excited because I've always wanted my daughters to marry young men mm. who would really love Jesus and really cherish them. And that's exactly the kind of young man that Andrew is. So we're just, we're, we're really excited. I mean, I love the way Andrew loves our daughter and uh, little Faith. And uh, so we're real excited. So yesterday was a little bit better than Friday. We were able to make it back. We, we left at 1040 in the morning after breakfast. 
and uh, and we were actually made at home last night about 11:40. Is that right? So uh, yesterday was a little shorter day, but it was still kind of a long day. So it was it was pretty full. Uh, so a uh, couple things real quick. Uh, immediately after church, uh, we're going to be meeting. Dave and I are going to be meeting with a few people here from the church to talk a little bit about Easter that's coming up and how we want to make that special. And also talking about how we build on 40 days of. Uh, of purpose that we just finished and if you'd like to be a part of that we'd love for you to join us but just to, to let you know we're going to be meeting in the surge room for those of you I've already contacted and for anybody else who's interested but um, uh, the other thing is I want to talk to you briefly about membership if I can so is anybody a member of anything anybody a Costco member <laughs> you know do you know what Costco membership is okay you know how that works you know you, you make the little payment thing and you go in and you get things at a discount are anybody here a member of a fitness club no am i the only one okay and and what that means is you are a a member and the way you celebrate your membership is you lay on the couch watch tv and eat potato chips (laughs) just kidding uh you know membership membership when we think about membership in the church we shouldn't think of it in contemporary in in contemporary standard, a contemporary way. When we think of membership, I think we should think of it the way the Bible talks about it. What the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 is it says this. It says that, that, uh, it says that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Okay? When a person thinks that, you know, they got this. You know, they don't really need anybody else. It's just me and Jesus. Okay? There are some people who are like that. They think they're the Christian Rambo. All right? Uh, let me tell you, in real life, Rambo gets killed by all those National Guard troops in the first movie, okay? He does. He's dead in a very short period of time, okay? Uh, only in the movie does Rambo defeat everybody, okay? Uh, in the same way in a Christian life, we were made for one another, all right? And so the Bible tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but we should think so as to have sober judgment. And what, what Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 12, he says, just as each one of you has a body, Okay? You got a human, you got a body. Every one of us does. And just as our body has many members, he says, so it is with you and Christ. Mm-hmm. That we are members of one another. Now, you know, every church, every church, just like our bodies, it, it you know, uh, there's no perfect human body, okay? There's not. Okay, we could all use a little bit of work. Well, I'll just say I can use a little bit of work. Uh, and every church can use a little bit of work. The church is always in need, I believe, of constant, continuous renewal. The people of God have always needed spiritual renewal. And so the church needs that. And I think sometimes we can kind of rag on the church a lot today. But the Bible tells us that we actually need one another. We should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, and we should think with sober judgment. And we really do need one another. So anyway, in our church next week, I'm going to do a short membership class with anybody who is not yet currently a member. And uh, if you have not gone through a membership class before, but you would like to be a member of our church, we want you to join us because we, we love you. We love you, 
And we want to keep loving you. And we want to love and serve you. And we want to see you loving and serving us. And really becoming the church that God desires. So I'm going to do that this next week. What we do is we just go through, talk a little bit of what our church is about. And then we give everybody the opportunity to sign a membership covenant. And that's a part of how we do membership in our church. So just letting you know, uh, I really need you to let me know today, though. I think we announced this last week. But we do have a sign-up, I think, at the back table back here. Uh, Matt says yes. Uh, he put it back here at the little table as you're leaving. But please sign up if you're interested in that. Uh, even if you decide not to do it, if you're interested, I'd like to talk to him more about it. But we would love for you to join us. Uh, right now, I'm going to turn it over uh, to my good friend Dave Gudgel. And uh, Dave is an awesome guy. Okay, a lot of you already know Dave. He's been with us a few times. Dave has written a few books. Uh, he works with Venture Church Network, which I'm on the board with. He's actually a board member and actually does a lot of work with our churches needing revitalization. And so, um, uh, but, but Dave has written a number of books. He's been on, how many times have you been on Focus on the Family? Um couple times, I Okay, guess. a couple times. He's been on a couple of times, but uh, he's also, anybody familiar with Walk Through the Bible, uh, he's taught Walk Through the Bible seminars. He's got his own version of it, which we're going to do eventually. Uh, but uh, Dave's a great guy. So Dave, I'll let you go ahead and come on up, and uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about spiritual renewal as we see it in the book of Haggai. Is that right? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. Well, that was a perfect introduction to the whole matter of spiritual renewal to talk about church membership and the need to get together with other believers in Christ in a church and uh, see God do new things in the life of the church. If you have your Bible, uh, find the book of Haggai. We're going to go there this morning. I don't know the last time you looked at the book of Haggai. It's the third from the last book of the Old Testament. It's the second shortest book in the Old Testament. You know what the shortest book is? Okay, I'll let you figure that out. That's probably, the you're, you're talking about the whole Bible. I'll just say in the Old Testament, do you know what the shortest book is? It's Obadiah. Anyway, we're going to look at the second shortest book, okay? So, a uh, book that we uh, find there in the Old Testament. You know, a lot of times we don't spend much time in the Old Testament. I mean, if we do, we read through the Bible in one year and we say we're going to start with Genesis, the book of beginnings, and take it all the way through the book of New Beginnings, book of Revelation. A lot of times we don't get to the book of Revelation because somewhere before we just quit. You know what I'm talking about? And usually we quit at Leviticus. So we don't get to the prophets. And the prophets, you know, the pages in our Bible and the prophets are still stuck together. And so have no idea, you know, how Haggai might fit in being one of those books. So... I love thinking about the Old Testament light of Romans 15.4. Are you familiar with that verse? It says, For everything that was written in the past, so that would be all the Old Testament scriptures he has in mind at this point when these words were stated in Romans 15.4 of the New Testament. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now let me ask you a question. Anybody here need a little bit more hope? I mean, just even just a little bit more hope, you know, like I could use a lot more hope or wherever you are on the hope I need list. Part of that hope can come through the Old Testament. And so I think about Haggai in light of that, because as we turn to this book, it's a book where renewal actually is needed. A fresh start is needed. 
And so Haggai speaks to a group of people who've come back from exile. And if you're familiar with the storyline, and one of these times, twice now, I've said to leaders in the church here, at least Matt, that I was going to teach you the Old Testament storyline in 15 pictures. I'm not yet being able to come on the Sunday to do it. And it's not because you told me not to, or I just had this sense in my spirit, I was going to do it today, but I had a sense again that we just needed to talk about this whole matter of renewal as it relates to all of us, but also as it relates to the church and where you are as a church in these days following COVID and all this other stuff that's gone on in the world. So Haggai is a book that's focused on renewal because uh, 50,000 Jews have come back from exile. So Israelites have come back from exile, but they all didn't come back. They were in Persia. Before that, they were in Babylonia. You probably know some of that story. And ultimately, the Persians permitted the Jews to return, but they didn't all come back at once. The first group came back with a guy named Zerubbabel. You heard of that name? Don't try to spell it or you'll be in trouble. <laughs> all right? So anyway, Zerubbabel, and the second group came back with a guy we know as Ezra, and Ezra was a priest. And the third group came back with a guy named Nehemiah. Familiar with that? Nehemiah, one of the shorter guys in the Bible. Not the shortest guy. That was Bildad the shoe height. Really short guy. Actually, there's a Philippian jailer that we hear about, and that Philippian jailer fell asleep on his watch. So that means he was really, really short. Okay, I'll get off of all of that. Simple way to remember uh, these three returns, we could just say Zerubbabel, and we'll make a little temple here, okay? Try this with me. He mentioned I teach walk through the Bible. This is what we do at walk through. We use our hands. It's crazy. But anyway, so we'll just say Zerubbabel temple, and then we're going to say Ezra. Ezra will point to ourselves here and say priest. So he came back to rebuild the people. Or actually, we could say people. We could just say Ezra, people. And then we could say Nehemiah will come up from the knees up, Nehemiah up, and we'll say, what did, what did they do? What did he come back and do? Yeah, they rebuilt the walls. So actually, we could just say Nehemiah walls, okay? So you just learned right there the three returns after the 70 years of exile. Do you remember what you just learned? Let's try it again. So we got uh, Zerubbabel, Temple, uh, Ezra, People, and Nehemiah, Walls. There you go. So Haggai, let me get over there to Haggai where we're trying to go here. Uh, Haggai came on the scene to fix something that happened. So after they got back, this group of 50,000, and I'm picking up the 50,000 from Ezra, the first couple of chapters there. You can read that account. In fact, you want all the names, uh, the tribes and so forth. You can pick it up right there. But they came back and they rebuilt the temple foundation. That was it. They got started on it. They built the foundation. And then they got busy doing other things. Does this sound familiar? You know, you make a commitment to God and you say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever it was. You know, I'm going to read the Bible through this year. Whatever it is, you make a commitment to God with good intentions, but oftentimes we don't translate those good intentions into reality, right? We live in the land of good intentions. One day I'm going to... And that's what happened here is that they 
put the foundation together. They spent a couple of years doing that. And then they went off and they started working on other things. They worked on their homes and other things. And 16 years, now that's a long time to let the foundation sit, wouldn't you say? 16 years. 16 years ago, the iPhone came out this June. Did you know that? This June we're going to celebrate 16 years of iPhones. Did the world change any over these 16 years because of an iPhone? Are you kidding? Our lives are completely different. I mean, some of you right now are having a hard time paying attention to this message because you're looking at your iPhone, mostly just the grocery list or whatever else you're looking at right now. But you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the iPhones have taken over our lives and, and it's been changing us as it changes. It's had 34 iterations or, or 34 different brands or whatever you want to say. Uh, changes in the iPhone, huge changes over these 16 years, and people are different. Well, do you think that 16 years people could have been impacted by the temple in such a ways that it would have made them different? Had the temple been built? Well, I think so. And so God finally, after 16 years, this is pretty patient on his part, wouldn't you say? I mean, like he brought them back, and he brought the first group back to rebuild the temple, so that's... Like, I think we got a really important thing to do here. The Lord brought us back. Finally, after 70 years, we've been praying, Lord, can we go back to our homeland, to the promised land again, and all of that. And he brings them back, and they then get the foundation laid, and they go off, and they start their own stuff. And 16 years later, God says, that's enough. I'm sending somebody to have a conversation with them about this. And he sends a guy named Haggai. And he ultimately sent Zechariah Malachi too. So the three last prophets in the Old Testament. But first there was Haggai. And Haggai came on the scene. This is what he says to them. I'm just going to read some of the verses in chapters 1 and 2. We won't try to do them all, but just a few of them. In Haggai chapter 1 verse 2, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, The time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. I mean, we're still busy doing other things, you know? How long has been busy? 16 years. And they're still saying, still not time. We'll get around to it. Now, some of you feel better already because you've been asking somebody in your household to do something and it hasn't been 16 years. You know, like, you know, I know they're going to do it. And they keep saying, I'll get around to it. But it's not yet time. That's where they were. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains a ruin? I mean, that's an incredible contrast, isn't it? So here you got the foundation. It's ruined. The concept of ruin here is it's in, now it's in a state of decay after 16 years. It's just there and it's just wasting away and there's really nothing good coming out of that foundation. And the reason was because they were off busy building what? Their houses. They're remodeling their houses. They're putting, do you notice it there? They're putting paneling in their houses. And the concept here is they were putting cedar up on their walls and cedar on their ceilings. So it was a sign of luxury, if you want to say it that way. They were busy doing their own thing. Now, this can happen to all of us, right? We make a commitment to do something and we get off doing something else and, and we just don't ever get around to it again. So verse 5, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. 
You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, if you like to underline your Bible or you're on a digital or whatever it is, highlight this or whatever, but note the words, give careful thought to your ways. And you notice in what I just read that they're used in verse 5 and they're also used in verse 7. And if you kept on working your way through Haggai, you'd also find them in chapter 2, verse 15, and you would find them in chapter 2, verse 18, two times. So five times in two short chapters, God says, give careful thought to your ways. So if we were thinking about them moving toward renewal and getting back on track or taking some next steps, this would be the first thing that God wants them to pay attention to. He wants them to contemplate their way. So let's personalize it. Personalize it. We at times need to contemplate our ways or your ways. So contemplate your ways is the message from God. And as you contemplate what's going on in your life right now, just give a little bit of thought to God's blessing or lack of blessing, to God's favor or lack of favor. Because as you think about it, verse 6, you've planted seed, but it resulted in a small harvest. That's not what you want if you're planting seed. You have food to eat, but it's never enough. You have things to drink, but you're still thirsty. You have clothes to wear, but they aren't keeping you warm enough. And you earn money, but it's not enough. And if that's not all, notice down in verse 9, you expected much, so your expectations are up here But here's what happened. You're not getting your expectations. In fact, what you're getting is a little. It turned out to be a little. What you brought home, God says, I blew away. Now, that's not a good place to be. And all he's trying to get them to do is think about the condition that they were in. And worse than that, verses 10 and 11, Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. What's he saying? He's saying it's not only impacting you, your lack of doing first things first, your lack of following through in your relationship with me is not only messing up you, but it's also messing up other people. Your choices, does this sound familiar? Your choices are impacting your family. They're impacting your home. They're impacting the career that you have. They're impacting the world is what he's saying. All 50,000 of you are hurting others because of your poor choices. And so he says, so one of the best things that you can do wherever you are in your life is you can just stop and contemplate the conditions that your life is in right now. Now, I think that's a really important thing for us to even do right now. You know, I'm not really going to do it here in the service, but I mean, in terms of what's going on in our lives today, we just need regular times of contemplation. Now, some of that could come daily if you do daily devotions every day. Why not? As a part of the devotions, just to be able, even if you journal, I journal on a daily basis typically, and I use that uh, journaling, and I just think about 
what happened in my life yesterday. It's not so much a diary as it is a what's going on in my life right now. And so I usually begin with the word yesterday. And that's the first thing I write. And then I talk about what's going on and what am I feeling and what's God teaching me right now. Uh, Bernice and I brought this along. I haven't really pulled this out much recently. But this is our journal that we used as we raised our children. And twice a year, Bernice and I would get away and we would just say, how are things going in our relationship as a couple? And how are things going in our family right now? And we would ask ourselves those questions and we would evaluate how we were doing based upon some of the goals that we listed. And it's just, this is one of those cutesy hallmark little journals. You know what I'm talking about? has a little cute picture on the front of it. But it's just lines in the journal. And so it's just a blank journal that we started filling up. And we did this for 22 years as we were raising our children. Twice a year, we would get away. We would just plan uh, overnight away just to think. And what we used was Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So, you know, Jesus grew physically, mentally, relationally, socially. What did I miss? All right, you get the idea. But anyway, you can look at Luke 2.32. But what we did was we went through those areas in our life and said, you know, what do we need to think about right now physically? And, and a lot of times it was like, we need to go on a diet or whatever it was, you know, related to that. Or we need to stop eating so much sugar. I mean, we got at one point, I can show you here, a kick on just drinking raw milk. We were crazy but you know we did that anyway and for a bit until we like oh this is i don't know if this is a good thing or not but so all those kinds of things is contemplation like that good boy it sure helped us in our family because we would also do kind of an analysis of what was going on in our relationships with our three children and are we making progress or what do we need to do or what do we need to focus on right now with our kids this contemplation thing's a big deal isn't it it could be a big deal in a family. It could be a big deal for an individual. It could be a big deal for a church. It could be a big deal for God's people. You know, shortly after the first year, Les and Leslie Parrott sent out a blog post that suggested that couples, individuals also do a year in review. And they said, and they were talking about this year, 2023, that this is a great time for couples to just ask a few questions. They said, we would recommend four questions or three questions. They said, what went wrong? You know, as you look about at back on the last year, what went wrong? What went right? And, and where would we like to go next? These are the questions they recommended. Everybody, just take some time in your relationships as a person and just contemplate your condition. And I'd, I'd add a fourth question. This is my fourth question. Where would God like us to go next? This is an important question to ask for church. Uh, what would God like us to do? Yeah, I believe that without contemplation, without reflection, lasting change often doesn't happen. And I think that's what he's trying to do here is he's trying to get them to think so that then they begin to move in the direction that God brought them back for. So, as you continue into Haggai chapter 1 and verse 8, uh, the Lord through Haggai said this, So go into the mountains or go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house. Build the temple that you came here for. Build, Put it on the foundation so that I may take pleasure, notice that, in it and to be honored, says the Lord. So essentially, having said contemplate your condition, now he says 
get to work, okay? It's time for you to go build God's house. And they might, you might say, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure. And God gives them two solid reasons for why I want this house built. He says, number one, because you doing something I've asked you to do is going to bring me pleasure. Now, us as parents, you know, we've been saying that all along to our kids, whether we say it or not. I, I really want you to do this because this is something that I believe you need to do and you in doing it will bring me pleasure. Well, here you have the same thing in the relationship with God. If you'll just build the building that I brought you back for, it's going to bring me pleasure. It's going to please me. And part of the reason why I want you to do this is because out of the temple, people will be impacted Not only my children, but people are outside my family. Having a temple like this in the community in Jerusalem is going to impact people, perhaps draw them toward me. And secondly, because God's house would bring people or bring God honor. Do you see that here? God will be honored if we do what it is he's asked us to do. And you think about it with regard to the temple, because the temple was a place where heaven and earth met where people and God met, where justice and grace came together there in the temple, where forgiveness covered sin, where guilt and shame were canceled. All of that was a part of the ministry of the temple, which says it had immense importance to God and obviously to people. And it pointed people ultimately toward God's saving grace and mercy. And not only that, I want you to notice in chapter 2. Notice this in chapter 2. It says in chapter 2, verse 7, the last part, and then verse 9, this. It says, I will fill this house with glory. You get the temple built. I'm going to fill it with glory. The Lord Almighty says, the glory of this present house, this new one that you're building, so we call this the Rubbables Temple. The glory of this former's house will be greater than the glory of the former house. What was that? That was Solomon's temple. Now, Solomon's temple is a great temple. But he's trying to change the perspective there, understand, because up to this point in time, they didn't think it was that great of a thing to be spending time on that it was greater for them to spend time on fixing their homes up, remodeling their homes. So he says, the glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. This is a big deal to the Lord, the Lord Almighty said. And in this place, look at this one. I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I want you to do this because in and around the temple, people are going to see God's glory and they're going to come to experience peace. And the word there in the language, the Hebrew language, is what do you think? Shalom. That's the word. And what's shalom? It's an all-encompassing peace. It's the kind of peace that, that gives life. It's the kind of peace that we're looking for still in our world right now. It's more than just the absence of conflict. It's a peace that brings life in abundance, an abundant life-giving peace that Jesus ultimately later spoke about when he came. Now, I don't know if you watch 
newscast, you know, local newscasts on television and that sort of thing. I'm not recommending you do, all right, I'm not, not saying that right now, but I'm just saying, if you do watch newscasts, you probably see that news focuses on anything but peace and anything but God. I think you'd understand that. It's like one bad news story after another. Recently, in fact, we were watching the news one evening, and oftentimes we watch the local news. But anyway, we're watching the news, and I turned to Bernice and I said, "Are you sure you got it on the right, you know, news thing? Because I, we we tape it, you know, and then watch it later, that sort of thing." And, and so I said, I, "I think you probably are showing me yesterday's news." She said, "No, this is today's news." And today's news is the same as yesterday's news because it's always, it seems, focused on the same thing. Shootings and deaths and fog. We live in the San Joaquin Valley. That's why I mentioned fog right there. And it's the same thing over and over and over. And the fact is, is that God is looking to give people a whole different realm of news a news that ultimately is not going to come from the news network, but it's going to come from this news network, from his people, and is a news about what God wants to do in our lives and in this world, and in bringing people life, or we might say, in bringing people shalom. So he brings that back into focus. Go do this, because if you do this then things can begin to happen in that community in ways that haven't happened because the temple had not been finished. And, you know, I've been thinking about this related to the regathering of the church. I mean, like in person and all. And, and I've been thinking, like, you know, okay, listen, you know that I've been a pastor for a long time, 40 years, and now I'm working with pastors and churches and all of that. And so I still have it in my mind, but I was just thinking, you know, I could think of three T's why people need to be back together. They need to be back together in person because of transcendence, because of transformation, and because of touch. Those are my three T's as a pastor. Transformation? What's that? That's all about life change. And life change oftentimes happens as a result of relationships with others and what God does in our midst as we prompt one another to love and to good deeds. And I've been thinking about transcendence. I think there were some moments of transcendence here. It might have even come around communion this morning and being together and celebrating that together or in the songs and the word of the songs and the manner in which they were led. There can be these wonderful moments of life change that happens. I'll tell you this, I don't really get into transcendence when I'm watching it just on TV. Now, I understand, I know that there is, it's difficult right now still for some to be able to gather, but I think we're kind of moving more and more toward not really understanding the importance of being together. And I say touch because, hey, listen, this Holy Scriptures say that we need to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I'm not saying you've got to do that, okay? I mean, we understand the principle, but the principle behind this is this, touch. We need to touch one another. I mean, in appropriate ways, but we need to touch. We need to be together. We need to be able to show one another that we love each other in person. You understand? And so, as I look at Haggai's message here, they heard that and they got it. They truly did. It made a change. 
It says in verse 12, chapter 1, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, 50,000. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. They believed that Haggai had come with a message from God and they said, we got to get going in the right direction and there's no time to wait. And it says, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, they, they came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the 24th day of the sixth month and the second year of King Darius. Now, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about this message came on the first day of the sixth month. The first day of the sixth month. The sixth month was, uh, we call it September. And we can pin it as 520 B.C. So the message comes on September 1, 520 B.C. And the work on the house started, according to verse 15, on the 24th day of the month, which means 23 days later. They're out there working on the project. Now that tells me that that contemplation time paid off and paying attention to the word of God paid off. And they said goodbye to complacency and they obeyed the Lord because they feared the Lord and they wanted to show him respect and honor and they revered his name by doing what it was that God called them to do. And if you go over to the book of Ezra, chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, And the temple was finished in four years. That's pretty amazing. It's a lot faster than Solomon's temple was built. Absolutely incredible. You know, there are a lot of things we could contemplate right now in the church. I know you just finished 40 Days of Purpose. I love uh, that series. I used to teach. I don't know if I ever told you this, Gary. I used to teach the Purpose Driven Church seminars for Rick Warren. He and I have never met. But I was recruited <laughs> to teach his materials, so somehow he or his assistant sent me all of his messages that he would bring when he spoke on the Purpose Driven Church. And I was sent to Penang overseas and to Singapore and to some other places. And so I love the purpose-driven concepts. I really do. I mean, the simple of it is we've got to remember that there's a threefold focus, up, in, and out, right? Up, in, and out. On exaltation, in, and edification, on out evangelism. And if we were to do no other evaluations than in those three areas, it would be good because probably it would help us elevate the importance of all three of those dimensions in the life of the church. And it might help us become more motivated to do perhaps something in new ways that we're not doing right now, but we really could and we really might need it. Well, there's a third essential step that's mentioned here in Haggai chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, On the 24th, 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, which is to say about, about a month later, about 30 days later. So, so they, they were called to get back on the job. They got back on the job 23 days later. Then about a month after that, all of a sudden God sends Haggai again. And he sends him back with another message, which is interesting to me because this is about the time we need it, right? About 30 days in and the newness of the project, the new the project wears off or whatever it is. 
And so the word of the Lord came through prophet Haggai, but now it says, verse 1 and verses 4 and 5, but now be strong, O Zerubbabel. So he's like the, you know, the general contractor, this whole thing. Declares the Lord, be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak. He's also there working with the people, the high priest. And, and be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Boy, that's key. Can't forget that what we're doing is work that God wants done, and he is with us. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So he goes all the way back to Egypt to say, I've been with you ever since then. And my spirit remains among you even now. So don't fear. And by the way, the opposite of fear is faith. So he's calling them to faith. And how does he call them to faith? Well, three times. Did you see it right here in verses 4 and 5? Three times he says, be strong. And there's a third step in this. The job that they had was going to require supernatural strength, stamina, endurance, perseverance. The task could not be done in their own strength. Now, what's fascinating about that is that many of us have heard that verse found in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, where it says, So he, talking about an angel that was sent from God, said to me, this is to Zechariah, okay? So this angel from God brings this message to Zechariah, and the message is this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now, who's Zerubbabel? Well, he's like the general contractor of this project. What's the project? It's the rebuilding of the temple. So this verse in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, connects with this project that they just got back into. And what is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel? Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, if God says the same thing through Haggai, and now he's saying the same thing through Zechariah, if you're the people working on the project, hopefully you get it. And people like us living 2,500 years after, hopefully get that. That even if you're doing a construction project for the Lord, you better not try to do this on your own strength because probably you're going to burn out or whatever else potentially could happen. And so the people need to hear that this isn't just going to be something that you do in your strength, but this is something that you're going to have to do in God's strength. And so there's an emphasis on that, and you can see that emphasis in chapter 2, but if we go back to chapter 1, in verses 13 and 14, it says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. Same thing, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And the spirit, the Lord stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord God, they're they're almighty. So the question we ask is, so why did they get back on the job? Well, because God stirred up their spirit. God did something that they could not do for themselves for 16 years. They couldn't get excited about going back, working on this project. They needed a renewed spirit. They needed a fresh start. They needed God to do something extra special. 
And so God stirred up the leader's spirits, Zerubbabel, and Joshua's spirit, and, I love this, and he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant. What was that? 50,000 people. So that as their spirits were stirred up, they got excited again. They were ready to start again. They got back on the job again. They didn't fall prey to fear. See, fear was part of what stopped them before. The neighbors didn't like it. They were opposed and ostracized and whatever else it was. And so they took that as, oh, great. We could stop. And so they stopped. And even now, you know, some of what I believe is holding the church back right now is fear. I really believe that. Certainly, it could be the fear of sickness. We understand that. Certainly, it could be the fear of another disease. We understand that. It could be, in this cancel culture we're living in, the fear of, you know, people canceling us. People saying, you're bigoted, or whatever they're going to say, so that we just don't represent the truth anymore. It could be the fear of persecution. It could be a fear of an uncertain future. Who knows what it might be? You know, in my ears, what rings is Isaiah 41.10. You probably memorized that verse. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. You're looking at the wrong place. For I will strengthen you. I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I love this because God is saying, I'm going to work in you. If you'll just respond to my work in you, I will give you new strength and new excitement and renew your spirits so that things that you could never do in your own strength, you're going to see done. And it's going to be a result of my work in you and through you. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to take a hike up at Hume Lake, you know Hume Lake? I love Hume Lake. Wonderful, amazing Christian camp facility. But I was there with some other pastors, and Bob Vernon was there. He was speaking, and I don't know if you know Bob Vernon, but Bob serves for 37 years with the LAPD, where he rose from rookie cop to second in command of LAPD. That's a pretty big promotion, you know, over the years. When, when he was... Uh, on the street, he was just, you know, just a street cop. And, but then he, when he retired, he was second in command and he formed the Point Men Leadership Institute that's still impacting the world today. It's focused on ethics. It's focused on leadership training. And so here you got this guy, incredible communicator, uh, incredible leader, and uh, somebody up there, the camp director, I don't know, they... Asked Bob, Bob, would you lead the people on a hike if they want to go on a hike around Hume Lake? And so I heard about it. I said, yeah, I want to do that. So I came out thinking, this could be great. You know, Commander Vernon's going to take us on a hike. We're gonna, this is going to be good. Probably going to get us running or something. I have no idea. You know, this is going to be a good one. And we got going, and Bob stops at about, you know, 10 yards in and starts talking about a plant. Finally, after about five minutes, we move on. And he stops again and starts talking about another plant. I mean, the guy knows like so much, not just about police work, but he knows a lot about sequoias and that, 
everything that's up there and the lake and all the history on it and all that kind of stuff. And so he kept stopping. And I tell you what, I couldn't take it. I really, I couldn't take it. I had a different expectation. I thought we were going to take a hike, you know. We are going to move fast. And we were going to take the lake, you know, that kind of thing. And so ultimately, at a moment when he wasn't looking, I'm sure, because I didn't want to offend him, I went around him. And I took off by myself. And I just had my own hike. And I got it done in, you know, probably a quarter of the time that they took to get around the lake. I have no idea. I, I, I didn't even check back. But here's what I know. I missed out on the opportunity to spend about an hour with a guy that I have total respect for. I mean, one time I called him up at the LAPD and we were scheduling, finishing scheduling him for our men's retreat to speak at our men's retreat. And I called him up and he said, Hey Dave, I really want to have this conversation with you, but I'm on company time right now. And so, why don't you give me a call back, my personal number, after hours. That's the kind of guy Bob was. But I missed out on the opportunity to spend an hour or more with this man because I wanted to do things differently. You know, I truly believe that what the Lord wants more than anything else from his people is for us to step with him, to follow his lead. We're not taking the lead on this thing. It's that as he leads, we fall in. We stop where he stops. We go where he wants us to go. We do what it is that he wants us to do. We live in his strength, in his will, in his power. And that's when we see amazing things happen. Can I give you one more thought? Not only did they need to be strong, not only did they need to just take some time and contemplate what it was that God wanted to be done, um, and that they needed to do so without fear. But God wanted them to anticipate his blessing. His blessing. Now, I love this. Because it was going to get hard like it did before. And so, Haggai 2, 6-9 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says, In a little while, while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now that statement there comes 30 days into the Second effort to build the temple. 30 days in. And evidently, from God's perspective, they needed to, as they got going on this project, even in those early days, is that they needed to fill their minds with his promised hope. With his promised future. He wanted them to know that what they were doing was worth it. It was worth it. In fact, he takes them back to the condition that they're in before ultimately they had decided to get back on task, to get to work. 
In chapter 2, verse 19, he he's asks this question. He says, is there yet any seed left in the barn? Okay, how you guys doing on your reserves? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. But from this day on, I will bless you. And, and this day on came when they said, we're going back to work. We're going to do what it was that God put us here to do. And as a result of that, God then says, well, I want you to know this. There's going to be no more meager harvest. You're going to have your fruit filled (laughs) and you're going to see God's house be filled with his glory, which means you're going to see his house be filled with kindness and grace and mercy and compassion. And not only that, here's something you need to know, that his person in person is ultimately going to come and fill this house. The house that they built was the house that Jesus ultimately came to, the temple. The temple, think about that. I mean, that would be motivating, wouldn't it? If you knew that the Lord was going to come and sit here and minister here, I mean, that might get you going. And that's not all, as I already said, the glory that's going to come on this present house, this present temple that you're building, is going to be greater than the glory from the former house. Now, you know who needed to hear that at this moment in time? You know who needed to hear it? It was those who had seen the former house. In fact, if you go back to chapter 2 and verse 3, it says this. Speak to, we'll start at verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of the people. Ask them three questions. Verse 3. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Talk about Solomon's house. Two. How does it look to you now, this one you're building 30 days in? So they're getting enough, you know, looks at it that they can begin to kind of make comparisons. How's it looking to you? And does, third question, does it seem like, does it not seem, you get it right, does it not seem to you like nothing? And evidently, there were some there that they looked at this who were around before the, with the former one and these questions were going to, you know, they're going to get close to home. Right? Who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? That is to say, who of you are like 70 years or older? Because that's how long they were in exile for. And uh, that was during the time where the temple was, they were taken away, but the temple was was destroyed. So he's saying, who is around that had an emotional connection, an emotional memory to the former work? First question. So the older people. Second question, how does it look to you now? Well, you know, that would be an interesting question to answer. I don't think it looks as good as before. That was great. Those are the glory days. Back in those early days. Fact is, I've been looking at this new thing that's being built, and I don't know if I could stick around. If I'm going to just take a four-year vacation, get away from it. And does it seem to you like nothing? Which is to say, will your memories stand in the way of God's dreams? 
Because oftentimes, our memories of those former days of ministry can stand in the way of the new work that God wants to do. But he knew at this moment in time that this new work could perhaps be put off or be criticized because it's a new work. Because things are going to change. So he brings those questions before the people. Now, let me just bring this to a close here, but let me just take you back to Ezra chapter 3. And we're, we're told that after they, this is 16 years before, that after they got the foundation laid, it says in Ezra 3, 10 this. I'll just read it. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord. So they got the foundation done. That's all, but they're going to celebrate it. Why not? It's a great thing to celebrate anything that comes along that's an accomplishment in the church, too. So they celebrate this. They took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel, with praise and thanksgiving. Verse 11, they sang to the Lord, He's good, His love to Israel endures forever. I mean, this is a big moment. They're back, they're building the foundation. Things are, oh, this is going to be so good, Lord. Thank you for bringing us back from Persia. We're so glad. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many... Oh, man. But, circle but, but many, not a few, but many of the older priests and the Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from far away. Now that's what happened before. 16 years before. It's 16 years later. They're 30 days into the building project. They've done enough where people are now beginning to form opinions and God sends another message through through Haggai. And the message is simply this. Get on board with God's new work. And the best way to get on board is to connect with His blessings. That God is going to do a new work and with that new work is going to come blessing. Do not let your memories get in the way of God's dreams. It's incredible to me that he does that, and yet so often that's needed, isn't it? We've had former days or wonderful days, and now we come to a new time where there needs to be renewal and to move into the new work that God wants to do. He still wants to use his people, but it's a new work, and it's a new opportunity to join him in that new work. Now, I don't know if you're going to go see the Jesus Revolution movie. My wife and I saw it yesterday afternoon. And one of the messages that comes in this movie is this message right here. God wanted to do a new work back there in those late 60s. He wanted to use Chuck Smith. 
to open up His church and willingly do a work in a new way, not the same way they had been doing it before. A way that was actually going to result in people coming in to the worship service barefooted. Now, I won't wreck the whole rest of the movie for you. You go see it. I think you should. I think it's got an incredible message for us today. Because we are people right now that need to see God do a new work. And I believe, coming out of COVID and all that we've gone through, that this more than ever is a time where the church is needed in our world to bring shalom. The news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Jesus did? He came to do a new work. He, he did that work in light of coming blessing. God wants to continue to use us to do the same. So may this encourage your hearts today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful time to share together in your word. I pray that what we have talked about will help us all individually as we come to these different seasons in our lives and we so desperately need a restart. We need to be renewed. Thank you that your spirit can renew us. We pray that your spirit would renew us individually, but also as a a collective group of people who are at a different place, different challenges, hardships. But Lord, through your spirit, a whole new work can be done. So we pray that you would do that new work and we would not hold back from supporting that, but we would join with you. We would keep in step with you. We would not miss this wonderful journey that you want to take all of us on. And it would ultimately be to your glory and for the good of people everywhere. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Dave. It's always great when he comes and gives us that little challenge, that extra nugget. Um, I hope we all act on it and take it to heart and contemplate it. Um, And I just wanted to finish off with a couple of announcements that we have for you. Um, There's Coffee with a Pastor that happens every Wednesday at 4 p.m. at Journey Coffee on Chadbourne Road. And for those of you who are curious about Coffee with with what Coffee with a Pastor is all about um, and who's it for, it's for anyone who wants to meet with one of our pastors for any reason. If you have a question, a ministry idea, or you just want to chat over coffee or want to exchange dad jokes, um, you can do that. Uh, So if 4 p.m. on Wednesdays is not a good time for you, we would be happy to arrange another time that works for you and with them. Also, as Pastor Gary had mentioned, we have a new member class starting on Sunday, March 5th after church. And if you're interested in finding more about what it means to be a member of Solano Valley Church, Pastor Gary will be hosting this um, after the service. And we would just be honored to have you join us and explore membership a little bit more. You can reserve your spot by signing up at the table at the front of the church there. At the front, uh, there should be a sign up on the table there. Also, our annual business meeting is coming up Sunday, March 19th. It will happen after church. And one of the benefits of being a member of SEC is being able to cast your vote on important things like our 2023 budget and on our elder team. 
Our annual business meeting will be, again, like I said, after the church service. And we invite you to stick around on that day to vote for these important issues, hear about how God has shown his faithfulness to us and what our plans are moving forward. And then um, I want to worship or introduce our worship with for our giving. Um, at SVC, we love worshiping God, and one of the ways that we want to worship Him is through our tithes and our offerings. And when you give, we want to encourage you to give with a grateful heart, a joyful heart, a generous heart, and a worshiping heart. And for those of you who are already giving, thank you very much. Your giving makes it possible for us to reach our community and point people to the hope that we have in Jesus. You can find about all the different ways of giving through our website, www.salonavalley.org, or by tapping the Give button on our app. Thank you again for your kindness and all of your generosity. Thank you so much, Elsa and the Church. Let's stand together for one final song. Father, let your kingdom come. Let's sing that together. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. What time? Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us. Give us this day a daily bread. Forgive us. Forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil Let your kingdom come, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done, both as in heaven. Right here in my heart Father, let your kingdom come Father, let your will be done Earth as in heaven Right here in my heart Give us this day Give us this day A daily bread Forgive us Forgive us We forgive the ones who sin against us Forgive them Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil Let your kingdom come. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. The kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours, all yours, forever and ever, the kingdom is yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours, for kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours, forever. The kingdom is yours. Father, let the kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. 
Have a great day.